All right, welcome back to the Wrestling with Altitude podcast. I am your host, Mr. Fourth Row, and joining me on this episode, I've got the one and only Sam Talent. Sam, how are you doing? Artie, I'm great. Should I refer to you as Mr. Fourth Row? Is that preferable? Uh, either way. You know, people refer to me either way. I know it's a little mouthful, uh, the three words, but <laughs> whatever you want to do, it's it's cool. Everybody. I'll call you M4R. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, first question out of the shoot. Um, how did you get into the uh, wacky world of uh, comedy in this aspect? Uh, you know, man, I don't know. I always liked comedy. And then, uh, luckily, Denver has an amazing stand-up scene. So, I, uh, I got into it. And then, it turned out that, like, girls thought you were more attractive if you were good at comedy. And, like, you know, you could live like a pirate scumbag if you were good at comedy and people still thought you were like an artist and interesting so yeah i stuck it out because of all the fringe benefits um i did stand up last night for the first time in a while because of the whole uh shutdown and man dude i really really love it i forgot how much i love stand-up comedy it's the best when it's the best it's the best it's the most rewarding thing ever and then uh, when it, when it's bad, it just rips your soul out, and you want to uh, you know apologize to everyone you've ever wronged. Oh, I see. Yeah. So did you um did you start uh, with a, a um typical or not so typical like open mic night, or did you actually um you know try to uh, get yourself booked on shows, or how did you all start with that? Man, if anyone doesn't start with open mics and just tries to get booked right away, they're a psychopath. I would love to, <laughs> I would love to cross paths with that sociopathic freak. Uh, yeah, man, I just, you know, I went to mics and uh, luckily I had like a, a natural skill for stand up and uh, people were nice to me and they said to keep doing. I did improv first and oh, uh, improv was fun, man. But you have to like perform with people who are a bunch of like. They're nice people. They mean well, but they're not necessarily funny. They're like the funny guy at the office or like, a, you know, like a recently divorced 70 year old woman or like a woman whose husband just died. And they're like, I need to get out of the house. I'm going to try improv. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, I liked being alone more than I liked uh, performing in groups. Uh, probably because like a, probably, that probably speaks to some character flaw that I have and no one else. <laughs> uh, well, and, and, and did you find it? uh a little difficult because what what are they saying in improv that you, you always have to you can't say no to whatever the direction of the story or what's being told on stage is yeah you're supposed to move things forward you're supposed to yes and and yeah. like uh improv rules man like i met some of the funniest people i've ever known in my life doing improv but i was i did feel kind of shackled by uh by some of the people that uh you're forced to perform with when you're taking classes and stuff and again they're lovely people it's just uh, I, I guess I've just, I'm not good at a lot of stuff, man, but I'm good at comedy. And when you're with people who aren't good at something that you're good at, like you feel kind of held back. Yeah. And I you, hope you've... that doesn't sound like, uh, like I'm trying to pat myself on the back too hard. Like I'm not good at too much, but you know, I am good at comedy. So yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and you, you felt that your uh, comedic muscles would be more flexed doing the, uh, doing your own thing. Yeah, man. Also, I was like 19. Like, I started improv when I was 18. I started stand-up when I was 18. So I was like, wow. you know, very uh, filled with uh, this righteousness that was uh, unjustified. You know, when you're when you're that age, you think you're you're the only person who's correct. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I I kind of uh, was fed on uh, not a clean burning fuel. You know, and uh, luckily I've chilled out and realized <laughs> how lucky I am to to be doing stand-up and to be successful at it. Yeah. Do you feel that's um, a really young age uh, to start off? Or is it typical or a little atypical to start so young? I don't know, man. It's different for everyone, you know? Yeah. Uh, I do know that, like, stand-up in particular has a uh, an age bias. Like, I always feel bad for people who try to do stand-up, like, after they have, like, a job and a house and a partner. Like, if they're married and they have kids, because... Starting out in stand-up, you're out at open mics until when you start, you go up last. That's just how it works, you know? So it's like uh, yeah. you go on at, like, you're out until, like, 1.30, 2 a.m., hanging out with a bunch of people who uh, 
often have no fixed address or a bank account. <laughs> you know, stand-ups <laughs> are, are kind of... Uh, they're kind of drifters and freaks, which I like. But if you're like a dude who works at a bank 40 hours a week, it's really tough to have that lifestyle and not have your wife be furious at you and still be a good father. Yeah, it kind of almost uh, they are doing it, like you said, kind of alluding to, they're kind of doing it as a hobby instead of a, a, as, a as a passion, as a career. Which is like totally legit, you know? Yeah. Um, like everyone should, should do stuff that... Uh, it makes them feel more fulfilled and more enriched and, you know, be creative in whichever way they can. But I really never understood people who got and just like dip their toes into stand up. Like uh, it's such a soul crushing thing you have to be <laughs> dedicated to to be like half good at it. Like I didn't take any nights off for like years. You know, I'd be at every open mic possible driving, you know, two hours to Colorado Springs or Boulder or Fort Collins just to get stage time and. If you're just going to dabble in that, man, like, uh, God bless you, but it doesn't seem like it, uh, it doesn't seem like someone that was, uh, mentally sound would make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. So you, um, so you pretty much, uh, started here up in the, uh, Colorado area and have you, uh, you've, you've, I'm assuming you've, you've branched out and gone to other cities and states and things of that nature. And if so, what have been some of the like highlight moments for you? Yeah, man, I started in uh I started in Denver. Uh born and raised in Den in Colorado and but I, I performed in uh performed in every state except for Delaware and Alaska and uh you know, I performed all over Canada and in Europe and stuff. So I just think that uh you know, anywhere stand up's great cuz you get to travel and yeah. When you travel, you know, people want to you get to hang out with the funniest people in that town. Like, I'm just so lucky that, like, I get to travel for work. And then when I go places, I get to hang out with people who are the, literally, like, the funniest people alive. Like, at least in the top 1% of funny people alive are my friends, you know. And, uh, you know, I got to do the Montreal Comedy Festival. And that was that was a very big deal. And got to perform on a boat in France. And uh, if I didn't ever do stand up I wouldn't have done uh I wouldn't have had such a rich life you know yeah. and I'm uh, just grateful for it uh have you found out uh in in doing this so far uh has there been parts of the uh the the United States uh, e and also even the world that kind of uh have a different uh flavor of kind of what kind of comedy they they desire they 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 react to um <clears throat> excuse me I just ate a bunch of beans, so yeah. my eyes phlegm. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think that most parts of the world people want to laugh, mm -hmm. and uh, it's uh, I don't know. Like for sure, there's I don't know, dude. I don't think that that's true. I mean, there's definitely areas of Brooklyn and L.A. and you know Portland and Seattle where people are it's tough in these cities where everyone fancies themselves an artist yeah. one thinks that they're like interesting and unique and that uh they sometimes you get these crowds in these like you know uh more liberal cities or at least with like not even liberal just like where young people would be uh where they think they're doing you a favor by sitting there and being quiet and watching you yeah. which every crowd is doing you a favor but sometimes you get you perform in uh in places full of artists where they have a chip on their shoulder and they don't want to deign to laugh at uh, this lowest level of entertainment that is stand-up. So I'd, I'd much rather perform for, like, oil workers in Wyoming than I would for a bunch of 23-year-olds in L.A. <laughs> yeah, so you, you feel like, um, you know, in another way I was kind of maybe asking is do you feel like you have to... Uh, uh, flavor your comedy or kind of twerk it to a certain uh, type of style or a certain type of comedy, you know, kind of, you know, uh, like a thinking comedy, a thinking joke versus just something that just, you know, crazy, dumb, you know, stupid, funny, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I try to, I try to do uh, what's, I try to do myself, you know, uh, uh -huh. I think trying to be authentic in your voice as a, as a comic is like, 
what you aspire to. It's also very funny like have these pretentious conversations about stand-up comedy, you know. Uh, so I do get kind of self-aware about them, but uh, yeah. you know, like I, I, I mean, in France for sure, I was I was a lot more slapsticky and silly because I don't speak French, you know. So I like was performing for people who were English as a second language and. I do a lot of funny faces and stuff, but like my act isn't serious. Like I don't like necessarily. Like I don't like comics who try and be smart on stage. Mm-hmm. I just like comics who try to be funny. And I like I use every part of the buffalo. You know, like I'll do act outs and I'll be physical. And I don't uh, I don't have any ego involved in looking smart. I just want to kill. Like I'm always trying to crush. And when I'm in situations where I'm performing in L.A. or, or Brooklyn, you know, these like cool spots, Austin. Like, I definitely go in there trying to destroy, but I also have a chip on my shoulder because I'm a hyper-competitive person, and I come from, like, sports and stuff. So mm-hmm. if people want to try and too, like, too, be too cool for school, I'm definitely going to go down swinging, man. <laughs> it, when, when, I, when I bomb, it's, like, a real fantastic situation. Like, my friends love... Not that I, I try, you know, we all try not to bomb very often, but yeah. the times that I have bombed in front of, like, Nathan or some of my close friends, it's, like, this legendary thing because I can't, I can't lose. And if I, if I am going to lose, like, I'm going to take the entire room with me. <laughs> <laughs> so do they, do, you, do your friends, when, if, if and when that does happen, they try to, they try to rib you on that kind of stuff? Oh, they rib, man. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> better in stand-up than watching your friends bomb. Like, that's the sweetest. That's the marrow, you know? That's manna from heaven is yeah. watching these people who you know to be the funniest people in the world, seeing them struggle at the thing they're the best at. It's the absolute. It's a gift from God, dude. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> watch, watching Nathan bomb, it's, like, the best, you know? And, like, I don't, I, I, I feel for him, but also, like, I just I know that these jokes have worked, and to see someone fail at the thing, like to see someone fail yeah. at being funny, yeah, it's really really funny. Uh, so yeah, they rib, man. They <laughs> they and they'll and they like oversell to use the parlance of wrestling. Like they'll be in the back, fucking losing their mind, oh. laughing so hard, and then the rest of the room silence. They're in the back of the room taking the stunner like the Rock did. You know, they're fucking, they're flipping up, doing like standing backflips after Stone Cold hits them with the stunner because <laughs> it's so exciting for them. Uh, and I'm the same way, man. You know, it's fun to watch your friends fail at stand up, <laughs> which, which sounds like a sicko thing. But uh, I think every comic would agree with that. OK, well, in, kind of like on kind of like on a parallel plane, something like that. Uh, what kind of uh, like uh, either uh, collaboration do you have with your uh, fellow comics, your your peers on, hey, you know, what do you think of uh, this kind of joke or this this kind of act? Uh, do you, is there any kind of a collaboration, uh, you know? And then, of course, I would assume probably there's a, a fine line where you want to, if you do collaborate, you don't want to give anything away. You don't want to give them ideas for their acts. No, man. Like, uh, okay. I think I think it's the other way. Like, if if I if I watch my friends and I think of like a funny line they could use, like we call them tags in the game. Okay. Like, if I think of a tag that someone could use, like an extra punchline to their joke, or if I think that maybe if they switched like two lines up in their act, like we definitely like I'm always trying to make my friends, uh, you know, more successful. So. Ah. Yeah, so, like, there's for sure, like, hey, man, you should say this, or, like, have you tried saying it this way, or, uh, you know, what if you, like, took a pause here, or, like, gave a beat here, like, that that stuff's, like, very much what your friends are for in stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, and then, like, but it is, it, it, it's, like, it's weird, though, because you'll hang out with people, especially, like, new comics, who are, like, like, you'll have a conversation like this. And they'll drop their bits into casual conversation, like they're running their bits. Oh. And it's like the most annoying thing in the world, dude. And it's like very, like you know, we we shut that shit down real quick. Yeah, um, they they're don't, young, don't know any better. Right. I was just gonna say, yeah, they don't know any better, do they? Yeah, for sure. So like, you gotta be patient with them, but also, uh, I've never been good at writing in groups, you know. But like, uh, I do love, I do love to see my friends succeed. So. Uh, if I have, if I have ideas, of course, uh, I don't like to like bounce. I don't, I'm not one of those guys. Cause some people will sit in a room and they'll be like, okay, uh, 
here's a, here's a thing I've been working on. And then their friends like help them mold it, which I think is totally legitimate and fine. But I don't, I'm not the best writer. I improvise a lot and have to like form my act based on shit that I say on stage. Sorry, we can swear. Is that? Yes. Yes, we can. All right, cool. (laughs) Um, So yeah, dude, uh, I just, I like to, uh, I don't, I don't like to sit down with like my notebook and be like, how does this work? Like, what do you think about this idea? And I know a lot of people who do that and it's totally legit. Yeah. So you feel like you're kind of more of an outline kind of guy on your act? For sure, man. Like <laughs> my act, like last night I was in Boulder and I was just talking to my friend, like a couple comics before the show. And I was like, how much, what percentage of a baby's body weight is its penis? <laughs> and like, that was just like a conversation. Like, you know, I was like kind of legitimately having this conversation. And then I got up on stage and just kind of talked that through with the crowd and yeah, it was successful, and now I can, I, like, remembered, like, there was, like, probably three lines that I could repeat from what I said last night, and I can make those kind of, like, the joists in that bit, and then just kind of try and build off of those three things that I know are proven to be funny, and then hopefully flesh that out from, like, three minutes to five minutes to seven minutes, and, you know, eventually have a chunk off of just that, like, one dumb conversation I've had. (laughs) I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there's some people yeah, who can ahead. like write it. Like Lund is like, you know, because you know Nathan. You've yeah. had Nathan on the show, right? Yeah. So like yeah. Lund's like very good at like writing jokes. And he's also like a very good like talker and he can rant and stuff. But Lund goes on stage with jokes. And uh, it's just a grass is greener situation because I wish I could do that. But then yeah. people who have like great one liners and fully fleshed out bits can't necessarily do what I do, you know? I see, I see. And uh, we'll, I want to swing back to uh, Nathan and you in just a moment, but one thing that uh, the listeners may not know is you wrote a um, novel. So you're a novelist. Uh, what what uh, did you write? How did that come about? Yeah, I wrote a book called Running the Light, which is about a, uh, a, a debauched comedian. Uh, he's kind of a He's in the twilight of his career, and he had a rise, and now this is the, uh, this is his fall, and he's doing seven very bad shows in the American Southwest. Most of it takes place in Colorado, and then some in New Mexico. Uh, and it's just you know he has a he has drug problems and booze problems, and he was a bad father, and he was he's a he's you know he was a bad husband, and it's just him kind of coming to terms with the monster he's become, and. You know, it, every Ron White loved it. Burt Kreischer had me on his podcast to talk about it. Uh, you know, Doug Stanhope has been a champion of it. And, yeah, luckily uh, comedians and fans of comedy and fans of literature have uh, gotten behind it. I wrote it when I lived in Vegas. My wife did her first two years of med school in Vegas, and it was a very, like, lonely time for me. So uh, oh. I just wrote, I wrote a book. I've always enjoyed reading literature and uh writing and somehow i shit out a book and it's uh very good it's definitely the best thing i've ever done you can get it at samtalent.com that's awesome how did you yeah. find how did you find the uh, process of of writing um i'm assuming you had a uh, an editor uh publishing how did you find that whole process no nah, man i uh, my dad edited it okay. uh, my wife my wife did an edit and my dad didn't edit and uh when I say edit, I mean, they. Uh, it was like, you know, put an apostrophe here, or you misspelled this word. I, I, I had a very, like, uh, right. clear sense of what I wanted the book to be. And then I got a literary agent, and the offers that the literary agent received were not up to uh, snuff for him, I guess. So I just decided to self-publish it when COVID hit, and uh, it was good, man. I mean, I'm just really grateful that people have... Uh, shown so much love for it, you know, because when you're writing a book, you don't know if it's good or not. Like stand up is the most immediate art form. Like you know right. if you're good at stand up, you know it's the same way like uh, a wrestler. Like the crowd's mm-hmm. popping, if the crowd's booing, you know, if the crowd's doing their chant, then they know they're fucking nailing it, <laughs> and that's how stand up is, you know. But when right. you're sitting there writing in front of a computer, you don't know if this if you're wasting your time. You don't know if it's shit or not. So yeah, it's very different from a from stand-up but you know luckily the marks pop for it brother <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's uh that's awesome yeah so that's uh that's cool uh so and and speaking of that uh before we get into a little we'll go negative a little bit before we go a little positive how is the uh 
uh, crazy world that's going on right now affected you? You said you just had your first uh, show uh, since the uh, the pause and, and stuff like that, but um, you've been able to keep yourself busy, uh, um, growing, and all that kind of stuff like that. And like you said, the book and everything. Yeah, I mean, I've done shows during lockdown, but I'm really trying to prioritize doing shows, especially early in this situation. I was only doing shows outside. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm used to working like 45 weekends a year, man. I was on the road every weekend. You know, the weekends I would be home were typically to do Triple L. Yeah. Because I always prioritized being in town for Triple L. I still had to miss like, I think, three last year. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, luckily, I had the book, so I'm just pretty much uh, I'm a fulfillment station now, man. I'm just packaging books all day and shipping them and screen printing my merch and getting that in the mail. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been cool. You know, I sleep in my own bed every night, and uh, I get to see my wife more than like four days a week. And I'm riding my bike around and eating a bunch of uh, decent food instead of Casey's pizza and drinking a million beers. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I think I'm doing better, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad, but there's still, there's still something to say about the experience of, uh, of doing all the other stuff though. Isn't there? Uh, about which, which uh, about, about, about the traveling, about the, you know, doing the, the weekend shows and all over the place and stuff like that. There's still a little bit of that. I would assume that you miss. Yeah, man, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm getting to miss it a bit more now, but when this, when it first hit like March, April, May, you know, through the summer, yeah, it was, I've, I've been on the road. Like I was in bands before I was in stand up full time. So I've been on the road for like 15 years, dude. So, oh. and like, I, I love to work so much and I'm so afraid of saying no to work that I definitely would never have had this much time off ever. So this like forced time out this forced pause has uh i miss the other shit too man but like i didn't know this life and this life is very rewarding too you know my wife's downstairs snoozing on the couch and we got monday night football tonight and you know yesterday was a nice day and i wasn't hung over from doing shows in wichita all weekend like it was uh it's good man it's a good situation Okay, well that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to see that you've you're finding a a positive uh, spin on on everything that you that you experience. So that's great. I think that's our job, man. I mean, you can <laughs> be bummed out, or you can uh, choose to uh, see the bright side of shit. You know, that is very very true. I I, I agree with that. I, I like the way that is looked at. So, um, how did you get involved in lucha lubre and laughs? How did that all come about? So like. Your listeners probably know, like, Nick Gossert and stuff, right? Uh-huh. Yes. So Gossert, you know, before he was a very successful and enterprising wrestling promoter, and I do mean that sincerely. I'm very uh, proud of what Nick's been able to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he, like, nailed it completely, he was one of the worst comedians ever. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, man. I mean... We were all bad back then, but Nick was like exceptional. Uh, <laughs> and he was just he was just a bit depraved and some of the ideas he brought to the stage were jarring to most common sensibilities. But uh, you know, I always liked hanging out with him. We've always been friends and stuff. Um and then he had this crazy idea. Cause like Lund and I we used to have uh we used to throw a festival called Too Much Funstival. And Lund is a major mark. Like, he is a huge wrestling fan. He has been his entire life. And I grew up, you know, I loved the Attitude Era stuff. You know, I loved uh, ECW and, uh, you know, Stone Cold's the best ever and Mick Foley and, like, all the hits from, you know, the early, through the 90s pretty much. But right. then, you know, there's a certain time that at least I I felt this way and where I was like, oh, I can't. I can't be an out. I can't be vocal and being a wrestling fan because, you know, I need to grow up and like be mature and do this stuff. So like right around like thirteen, fourteen, I like took a real hard like stance against enjoying the things of my youth. I guess Wait, it wasn't just wrestling. It was like, you know, like I'll only play Madden. Like that's the only video game I'm allowed to play is Madden. Like I can't play like you know Yoshi's Island anymore. It was a weird, weird time in my life. I gotcha. And, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, so, yeah, like, so I, then, you know, Lund was like, let's have a wrestling show for Funstival, and I was like, sick, so, 
we had a wrestling show and it was like a bunch of local luchadors and it was completely ridiculous. And it was like, you know, there was like, I think a couple like, uh, I don't know the term, they're, they're the luchadors who like cross dress, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is fucking nuts, man. I love this. So then I went and saw, uh, I saw a slave to the death match. Um, you know, and like, uh, Joe is the fucking man. Like I love, Mm-hmm. I love Joe so much. He's been nothing but sweet to us. Him and Bubba. Bubba's one of the funniest dudes in the world. I don't know if your listeners know who Bubba is, but he's this old carny uh, who like sets up the ring for a bunch of uh, local wrestling events. And he used to be a wrestler, and he has the best stories in the world. And So those slave guys rule. All the hardcore dudes have been super nice to us, and the extreme wrestlers have been super nice to us. And then uh, Gossett was like, I want to do this wrestling thing. Will you guys want to call the matches? And I was like, fucking hell yeah, brother. Where do I sign up? And luckily, uh, Lund, you know, um, Lund knows, Lund can call Snapmare into Irish Whip into, uh, you know, a hip toss into the corner. Uh, he knows what a moonsault is. You know, he knows the difference between a head scissors and a Huracan Rana. And I know that stuff now too, but starting off, I had, you know, I'd, I didn't have the vocabulary that Lund did, so I was just more the, uh, the color I, guy. I, I could, I, yeah, I was the color guy. I could be funny, you yeah. know. Like uh, Lund was, uh, Lund was Jr. and I got to be Lawler, which was sick. You know, it's a great situation to be in where you can just yell puppies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Lund, uh, Lund and I, we've been best friends for you know going on twelve years now, and yeah, luckily Gossert trusted us and. Uh, now it's my it's my it's literally my favorite thing I get to do, dude. I love calling Lucha Libre and laughs and seeing you know meeting so many wrestlers, wrestlers and stand-ups. I'm sure Lund chewed your ear off about this when yeah. he was in here, but the parallels between stand-ups and wrestlers are limitless. Like they, they we're we're exactly the same as them. We work for very low pay and travel hundreds of miles to do a thing that a lot of people don't respect. And uh, I love I love all the, the the cool men and women we've met, you know, and like fucking, you know, Mike Seidel is like a friend of mine now, which rules. And, uh, yeah, you know, Royce Isaacs, dude, Royce, Royce's success is a huge victory. Like, I think I called him. I'm pretty sure I called Royce's first match and I'm pretty sure we called filters first matches and just seeing these guys, you know, Sammy Udell is a fucking good buddy and. I don't know, dude. I mean, it's just cool to. A lot of people, when they want to get into showbiz, they want to get into TV and film, and it's like, no, I want to hang out with the freaks and the carnies and the weirdos, and being involved with wrestling is exactly that. So, uh, yeah, it just rules, man. Sorry, I get kind of fucking ranty on. No, this no, show. it's cool. It's yeah, it's it, it's um, they may not. What you're kind of almost maybe saying too is they may not uh, know it or way to express it, but there's all kinds of different forms of entertainment to get into definitely dude and like wrestlers Roland and i've always said wrestlers comedians and rodeo guys like uh bull riders whenever i talk to any of those people we have the exact same stories Mm -hmm. and like everyone knows which frequent flyer miles is the best everyone knows where to buy gas in kansas like (laughs) you know everyone you know knows to avoid red roof ends and it's just great dude like uh yeah, we're just entertaining, and we're also, you know, going after this very singular thing that, uh, you know, is pretty selfish and can uh, lead to, it can be very detrimental to uh, interpersonal relationships and your health, and there's substance abuse issues with wrestlers and rodeo guys and stand-ups, but, you know, at the end of the day, people fucking love them, and uh, when you're good at what you do, it, it feels good to be with other people who are good at what they do. Right, yeah. Um, and so, so far, um, I'm going to ask you, uh, kind of different, various, uh, aspects of this, uh, question or similar. I'm really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> you thank you. Uh, uh, your time, uh, working there with, uh, with, uh, Nathan in, uh, triple L would have been some, uh, highlight moments that have c- come to top of mind, uh, either funny, bad, indifferent things that have just like stand out. It's like, I can't believe we got to do that together. Will you say that again? I'm sorry. My dog was just... I just had to deal with my dog there. 
Oh, that's okay. Say it again. Oh, so, so in your time with Triple uh, L and, and working with uh, Nathan in particular, what have been some like highlight moments of uh, working with him? Uh, good, bad, indifferent, uh, things that just like kind of t- come top to mind. Um, anything silly that happened? God, you know what, dude? I'm I'm so bad at these kind of questions, like the uh, the highlight questions, because I've I try to be very I try to live like very much in the moment, you know, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better for my mental health. So like, and also I have a very bad memory due to uh, weed and booze. So, <laughs> right. uh, let me, let me, let me just think for a second. Um, I mean, it was very cool. Uh, fuck. I don't know, dude. Like, it's just fun to see the guys get better. And the, it's really fun to see, uh, you know, these dudes who, uh, you know, f- see them get better at wrestling and get better at being in the ring and get better at talking on the mic. Like, uh, you know, like Anaya's rise to power has been very cool because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, dude, like seeing uh, seeing uh, I am the providers kind of like birth. I thought that was a pretty cool thing to help facilitate. And, yeah. you know, like when uh, I don't know, I don't want to break kayfabe if you don't do that on here. We, we kind of go gray. Yeah, and this was kind of long. me, my second part of the question is some things that come top to mind just doing all this, some memorable moments, like you said, a Naya Rising, um, any kind of crazy debuts, like um, I think maybe uh, a certain Living Dead girl may have freaked you out or got popped you <laughs> <laughs> when, she, when she was there. Yeah, dude, I mean, she's a fucking freak, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, uh, I don't know. I I didn't really, uh, and I and I've I've since changed my mind. And uh, this was this was kind of an uh, ignorant way of thinking, but I didn't really respect women's wrestling uh, too much because I grew up watching. When I've I've learned now that it was at its worst during those attitude years, you know, right. when it was like uh, pretty much just like blonde babes that uh, Vince McMahon kind of had a boner for. And so initially when, uh, when we started having female wrestling, I was like, well, this isn't ever going to be as good as male wrestling. And, uh, yeah, then it's just like, they're so much better at the, uh, the psychology of it. Um, so yeah, I've been flipped out by many a spooky <laughs> female wrestler. Um, but yeah, like I, I think one of my favorite things to do is, is watching Joe figure out how to do, I am the provider. Because I remember early on, he was like trying to tell us, like, uh, you know, that like I want you to sell. Can you guys help me tell this story? I love when the wrestlers say, "Will you help me tell this story?" Because mm-hmm. uh, it makes you feel like you're really part of a collaborative thing. And who's that? Uh, I can't remember his name. Who was? He's a huge man. Kind of has a beer gut on him. I think he's back with NXT now, and he's like a brawler style. He kind of looks like Bruiser Brody. Uh, Known for like he's a big like chopper, like real stiff kicks and punches. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, it's not it's not coming to the top of memory right now. Oh, anyway, he was the first. I can't. I wish I could remember his name. Really nice guy, real sweetheart. But he was the first guy to tell us. Will you help me tell this story? And I was like, I fucking love you, dude. Um, but yeah, dude. I mean, it's uh, it's just really fun to be involved in this collaborative thing. And I, you know, I don't think that Anaya really liked me for a long time because. I didn't like, uh, I, our whole thing is we're still trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Like I, we have to be funny forward in the booth. And as much as I really want to sell, uh, you know, how devastating, uh, the Samoan neck breaker is that Anaya does to, uh, hit it, you know, his finish, the annihilation. Like I do have to be funny. And when Anaya, Anaya was one of the last dudes we ever got to laugh in the ring. <laughs> it's like we're always we're always looking and you can tell when the wrestlers are laughing because they'll uh turn they'll away. turn away from the crowd they'll go to the turnbuckle they'll talk to, they'll grab the ref and like talk to him real close you know yeah and i was like one of the very last dudes we got to actually break in there yeah and i don't think that he liked me because i was always trying to get him to break like i, I was like very purposeful and luckily you know like uh, caleb crush like fucking yeah lot like Lonnie, we'll get Lonnie's ass every fucking time, and uh, I love it. Um, <laughs> you know who else is? You know who else has been pretty cool to watch is uh, is Cody, dude. Cody, uh, yeah. Cody's really figured out his uh, his character, and it's really funny. He has that vape, and uh, everyone fucking hates him, and I love it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, man. It's just cool to see these guys kind of blossom. And luckily, everyone, no one's really gotten hurt, which is cool. You know what was fun, dude, is we had a... We took the show on the road to Nebraska. We did uh, this comedy festival in Nebraska. And who was that guy with the WWE whose whole gimmick was that he like was developmentally disabled? Oh, uh, Zach Gallon? Yeah, what was his name in the ring? No, like he was oh. not he was like he was like he was like had like an extra chromosome. Like he was like you know You know what I'm talking about? Um extra chromosome you're you're not talking about eugene are you yeah eugene okay so we had we had eugene and i hadn't watched uh i hadn't watched wwe in a long time and then lund like tried we had eugene wrestle he was like the headliner at this road show we did okay and him him trying to explain to me what eugene was and i was like this is how is this allowed and we had bobcat goldthwaite on that show oh my gosh yeah, so Bobcat was the headliner, and then he, Bobcat Goldthwait, like, got called into the ring to be, like, special referee to call the pin on Eugene, and I was just sitting there with Lund, like, dude, I don't know what we did to deserve this, but this is one of the most surreal, beautiful moments I'm ever going to have. It's watching <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait hold Eugene's arm in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. So there's been a lot of really cool shit. You know, we whenever we do, uh, we used to like Taco Festival. Taco Festival's like the worst, <laughs> but it's the most fun because these guys have to go wrestle like in the sun in July. Yeah. In a in a parking lot, and you know wrestlers don't get paid enough to uh, get heat stroke, and like the 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 ring itself is like 130 degrees, and they're just on there taking slams on, you know, heated up asphalt. It's a uh, yeah, man, everything that's happened with this show is the best, and I'm really glad I get to do it. Yeah. So, you know, you, you kind of, uh, uh, I'm going to mention it, and I was going to go go back to it just a little bit. Uh, collaboration, and then also, uh, do you guys, uh, you know, in, inintentionally, inintentionally uh, um, try to, like you said, break the break the guys and gals in the ring, you know? Because sometimes they say we can't hear shit, and sometimes I think they're full of shit that they can actually hear you guys. Right, so like, there's 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 certain wrestlers that like Colt Cabana is like a very funny person. Yeah. So when Colt comes, it's a real high compliment that he kind of like, like he respects us enough to let us like get out of our way, and he'll do like Matt Classic and shit now. He'll just like come and like work, because he knows that we're gonna be funny for him. Um, mm -hmm. And I like that. But like, I, you know, we are trying to make the guys and girls laugh. Like, if I can get a wrestler to laugh. It's you know it's sometimes sweeter than getting the crowd to laugh, but we are never in any way trying to bury them. Like we're always trying to put their shit over. Uh, we're always trying to sell for them and like uh, do that storytelling thing. Like this guy's the bad guy, this guy's the good guy. Like uh, you know Lonnie Valdez can do no wrong, and uh, you know Filter's a ruthless savage, and like we're we're trying to be funny, but we're also trying to honor the tradition. And, like, we never want to shit on what the guys and girls are doing in there because we do have so much respect for them. Right. Yeah, and then another thing, too, you mentioned uh, you mentioned about the, the women's wrestling. And, uh, of course, that we have Respect Women's Wrestling promotion here in uh, Denver. It's a collaboration between Lucha Libre and Laughs and Rocky Mountain Pro. Have you uh, been able to uh, get your eye on a couple of their uh, shows or matches uh, with all this uh, going on, this collaboration? No, I mean, I have not been to a respect thing in person. Um, I've, I've, you know, Gossert, Gossert's real active in the group chat with me and Lund. He always sends us the highlights that he's put together and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, that's just it. The issue is, is that if I'm, I'm, if I'm, if I'm in town, it's typically planned around Lucha Libre and Laughs is like my one day of the month, one weekend of the month that I'll be home. Right. So I'm not really around for a lot of the respect events, which sucks because I've heard it rules. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, and to get a whole promotion just of uh, of women and, and people do turn out for it, so it's pretty awesome, I would say. Oh, it's great, dude. I mean, any you know, people doing the thing they love at the top of their ability is cool, regardless of gender or any kind of orientation. So like, I'm all I'm all for people doing their thing that they love. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, and I mean, I mean, I don't want to sound like a, a hundred years old, but did you watch? You watched wrestling in the '90s during like Attitude, right? Uh huh. Yeah. 
I mean, Trish Stratus was not a gifted worker, right? Right. It was all about stratisfaction per se. Yeah, and then like who was that like babe with the super long legs? Oh, Stacy Keebler? Like, yeah, like you would have like Stacy Keebler versus I mean Lita fucking ruled. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Lita Lita was the shit, but there really wasn't you know, I would watch like a Sunday night heat and they'd have like some women's four way match and it was like this wasn't up to snuff and now uh now some of the best wrestling in the WWE is the women's wrestling, and it's cool that's trickled down because I think that, uh, you know, like who, you know that Australian lady who works for us. I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, Simone Lockhart. Yeah, so Simone's fucking. She's she's a tough sob man. Yeah. You know, like in and out of the ring, everything about her just demands respect, and I think that with there being something to aspire for for female wrestlers to get. You know, like that belt in the WWE and the larger, uh, the larger promotions. Like it's something there's there's people to look up to, and that's uh, that's why representation's important. You know, because like we're getting better women's wrestlers at our level because they want to make it to the big leagues. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then uh, you know, um, the uh, the talent that uh, Nick is able to bring in uh, shows. You know, kind of sprinkle a, a couple of indie uh, great talents in uh, as well as some of the shows. Yeah, man. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to shoot on Nick, but it's a wrestling podcast, so <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't watch a lot of wrestling, but I do watch a lot of fucking wrestling podcasts. I've seen, uh, you know, Sandman shoot on Sabu, and uh, you know, I've seen Perry Saturn in a hotel room doing shoot interviews, so we can buy more drugs. Like, I love shoot interviews so much, <laughs> and uh, you know, I just, I think sometimes the Gossard is such a nerd for wrestling, you know, God bless him. And that's really benefited us. Yeah. And he's been able to bring in some, uh, some people I never would have heard of, but then also like Gossard's such a nerd for wrestling that he'll blow all this money on someone thinking that, uh, you know, marks are going to come out in droves. And in reality, our show is a comedy show. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if the comedy wasn't at such a high caliber, like between me and Lund, then I don't think that we would have capacity crowds at the Oriental. Like wrestling, I think the wrestling demographic, and I don't know, you come to the show, right? Like, yes. tell me what you think. I, I would have, I think that our, I think the marks in the crowd, maybe 25%. And then the other 75% are people who just want to go to a show they've heard is the best comedy show in Denver for six years running. Yeah. Like, what do you think? What do you think the demographics are? Well, here's here's how here's my um, take, and this is how kind of how I got into the show. Of course, uh, when I got in, uh, my eye focused on independent wrestling. I started coming to uh, the Lucha Libre and Laugh shows because, like, oh, there's some people I've seen before, the wrestlers. And then, so I wasn't exactly, you know, sure about the the comedy aspect, but of it. But then when I've been to a few shows here and there and gotten used to the the cadence of having a comedian a match a wrestling match and then a comedian a wrestling match and then of course having the um overrunning commentary by you know you and nathan i I, i've gotten used to it's it's a thing i enjoy and i i always look forward to and i'm a little sad when the show is over for the for the weekend for the night that's like can i push the fast forward button to the next show so can I, can I skip a month of my life so I can go to the next show? And that's kind of how I how I look at it. So I have really enjoyed the aspect of it. And some of these comedians I've um I've never seen before, and some of them I've seen like like um 15 20 years ago at uh, you know other spots around the Denver metro area. It's like I remember this guy. Is he still as good as I as I remember him? And so yeah. it's been it's been real funny. Um, like um for example, one of the comedians I've seen is um. I know he doesn't really go by it by now, but I've always hippie, I, man? hippie man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Hippie man's the goat. He's yeah. the best. And I just remember his outrageous guy. I saw him at Wits End comedy club in Westminster. And that's yeah, why that I re- the that... first stuff I ever headlined. <laughs> oh, is it really? That's yeah. all. Aw- that is awesome. Yeah. And that's the kind of the first uh, comedy club I've ever gone to. I that was, rules, man. I, I got I'm... a fun Wits End story for you, man. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they ha- used to have a contest at Wits End, you know, uh, like it would be like kind of amateur, like younger comedians. And it was like three different, you know, it was like three, there's a bracket. So you'd have like the, uh, the quarterfinals, semifinals and the finals. And the first show I ever headlined was the finals of that. 
And uh, so it was like seven, you know, like they were like, you know, amateur comedians, not even amateur, just like, you know, they didn't have like an hour yet. They weren't headlining on the road. Right. Okay. But uh, my friend Kevin O'Brien won and he won like, uh, I think he won like a thousand bucks or something. But it was the first show I ever headlined. So like my mom and dad came, like my aunts and uncles it was a big deal. And I went up there after, because the issue with contests are, is like you, you bring the issue, the thing is you have you have these comics bring all their friends and family, and that's how you get the tickets sold. And then yeah. you know, they cheer the loudest for their kid, and uh, that's how the winners decided. But once their friend has performed, they don't give a shit about the rest of the show. So headlining a show for a bunch of people who have like, you know, they've done their job and they're waiting to leave. I bombed, dude. I fucking bombed so bad. Oh. Uh, just ate my ass for like 30 minutes and i think i made like 75 bucks and kevin made a thousand dollars but i walked off stage that night and my mom and this kind of speaks to the whole thing about you know watching someone you love fail is the funniest thing in stand-up my mom like greeted me at the side of the stage and she was like holy shit what the fuck happened you ate shit you were so bad she was like <laughs> tackling <laughs> oh no yeah because like my mom loves me she she always supported my stand-up but she was like oh my god that was terrible what the hell happened up there oh <laughs> oh wit's end man and, and just well, and almost just like um at wrestling sometimes if uh you just don't get that uh crowd reaction that instant reaction it just seems like maybe it, it something just was a, a mess i guess huh it's tough, and I think especially in our, I think at Lucha Libre and Laugh, the fact that it is like, uh, it's not a bunch of smart marks. Like, there is definitely yeah. a bunch of smart marks in there, dude, and mm -hmm. I'm really glad that they come and they love the show, even though it's not a traditional show, but then there's also people who just bought it on Groupon, you know? Right. And, uh, or they saw, like, a 10 best things to do that weekend in Denver. Uh, so when when they don't understand, like, the gravity of, the situation I, I never blame the wrestlers because these people aren't wrestling fans they don't know they don't know what the hell they're supposed to do you know <laughs> true 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 um okay and then kind of wrapping that up a little bit uh of course there's also you know listeners do know there's also comedians in between the uh, matches uh any uh buddy that uh you've seen uh perform any comedians uh, at any of these shows that you've been at uh that uh, just kind of wowed you, you know, or just you enjoy their work? Um, yeah, dude. I mean, luckily, I've been doing stand-up long enough that uh, a lot of the people who perform on our show are, like, peers and, you know, people who started at open mics that I ran or uh, people that yeah. when I started, they were, like, a class above me, like, you know, hippie man, John Novosad, he's always the best. Mm -hmm. uh, ben Roy always kills. Um, it's been kind of fun to watch Allison Rose get uh, get better and better at stand-up, because I think the first big show she ever did was Lucha Libre and Laughs. And, uh, you know, just watching her get more confident. Um, and then, like, you know, like I said, Bobcat Goldthwait did our show. And, uh, <laughs> you know, now that we're a part of uh, the High Plains Comedy Festival... We get uh, we get some bigger names to come in for those shows, and typically we get the people who are into stand or into wrestling. So it's really cool to get uh, comics from all across the country who are in town for this very big deal comedy festival. I mean, Adam, Kate, and Holland and Karen have done an amazing job making High Plains like a big industry thing. Right. But you know, you get these people who grew up watching wrestling, and they're like. I get to, I get to perform in the ring and then I get to call wrestling matches. Are you are you serious? Like, <laughs> it's it's often the highlight for uh, the people we get on that show. So, you know, like last year getting Anwar Newton, he fucking killed. And uh, you know, uh, it's 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 always fun when I see uh, a woman or like a black guy. Uh, you know, just anyone who's not like the traditional like uh, white a stand-up comedy performer whenever we get anyone who isn't uh who's you know it's not just a white guy on stage it's really fun like anwar you know is a fucking huge black dude and he just got to talk shit to our crowd and yeah <laughs> he almost he almost you know he almost he did a heel turn it was fucking awesome <laughs> it was great <laughs> yeah it was really fun to see him know the psychology of wrestling 
and being able to use that against the crowd like that that's one of my favorite sets i'll, I'll never forget anwar and then he came over and he was like so fucking excited dude yeah it's just cool and then when people come to the booth and they think they're going to get all their shit in and me and Lund aren't letting them, you know, because we have a job to do. Like, right. we definitely tell people, we're like, look, we love you. We, you know, we got you booked on this show. Go up there and kill, but don't come over here with any weak shit and don't try and like, you know, yeah. you know, we always, we all, me and Lund always say that get when someone like goes long on stage, like, oh yeah, he tried to, he had to get all of his shit in. That's my favorite wrestling slang. Right. Yeah. That's Yeah. <laughs> I love when a comic has to get all their shit in, even though they're bombing. But yeah, it's uh, it's just fun, dude. It's yeah. fun, man. I mean, I love this show, and I think that uh, I think my genuine love for the show is uh, is coming through in this interview because I'm just gushing, and I don't know how interesting it is because I'm just being sincere. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's yeah. It's a little a little different than um, how everybody uh, knows you uh, at the show versus yeah, what you're showing I'm just, here <laughs> i'm just snarky at the show you know i'm just i uh it, it rules <laughs> <laughs> yeah so true that's awesome so uh doing the um you know i know i know the last show uh, this wasn't happening but before when the, the comedian then joined uh, you and nathan um at the booth uh to uh help with the overrunning commentary uh do you guys feel like you uh with your guys you and nathan's uh uh, work you kind of you know get that kind of you know without even saying get that comedian to get their little quips in there for the for the show so i mean i, mean, I know there's a lot of times when especially when you've had the women comedians uh, be able to get some nice quips in during the wrestling matches i will say that i think that uh when people come over and they are the third mic women are always better at it because mm-hmm. they uh they're able to make you know they're able to be like kind of lewd and lascivious and that's fun yeah, there you uh, go. And you know, dude, like also a lot of comics like don't respect wrestling or a lot of people just don't like get that wrestling rules, you know? Mm-hmm. And they'll come over and they'll be the third mic and they'll try and make some like, you know, gay joke and it's like, dude, that shit's played. Like that's boring, you know? Like that joke's never been made before. What are you doing? Bring your A game. Yeah. So we definitely like don't we, we do. We tell comics we're like, look, if you haven't seen the show before, you're going to come over there and if you don't have something real quick, like you're lucky, you're lucky if you get three jokes in on that third mic. Yeah. So you better bring the heat and you better keep it quick and you better not try and, uh, we've had some comics who come over there and they try and like do some bits that they like pre wrote about wrestling. And it's like, respect our crowd, dude. Like these people know when you're not coming correct. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, it, it is funny when, uh, when the comic kind of shits on our crowd, that's fun. But when they're like outright mean or they don't respect the intelligence of that crowd, like, you know, that's not cool. And luckily the crowd lets them know when they're eating shit for it. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're not tailor. They're not tailoring uh, what that's happening in the ring for the particular match that they're on commentary for. Yeah, exactly. Like they, if they're not improvising, if they're not in the moment in responding, it's not going to hit. Yeah, it's like, well, get out of the way, dude. Like, you know, we're we're not here for you to do an extra five minutes. Like, you just did your time, and now let's uh, let's, you know, you have to kind of be selfless over there because you you do need to tell the story of what's going on in the ring. Yeah. And if Lun needs to communicate that uh, there's a very high intensity tag that needs to happen, or just uh, you know, the stakes of uh, of uh, I remember one time I can't remember who the comic was, but it was like, you know, the the wrestlers in the ring were working some real technical, like, submission thing where one of the guys was working over another guy's shoulder, and then the other guy was working over the other guy's knee. So it was, like, very concentrated attacks. Like, uh, and it wasn't, like, high-flying. It wasn't a big spot fest, but it was, like, very, like, clinical. And, like, uh, it was, like, Dean Malenko versus, like, Benoit back in the day, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was cool. They were, like, chain wrestling and shit. And Lund needed to communicate that the the one guy was had to reach the ropes, you know, to break the submission hold. And the dude that was on third mic would just kept trying to talk over it and like talk about how boring it was. Uh-huh. And I literally, I literally like looked around Lund and I gave the guy the uh, thumb across the the throat signal. <laughs> you know, I was like, and then afterward I gave him a tongue lashing. I'm like, you never say this shit's boring. Yeah. 
Like, that was just, like, a real low blow. Like, these guys are in there, like, fucking working real hard telling this story. Like, don't bury them, man. Like, just because you don't respect wrestling or know what's going on in there doesn't mean that it's not interesting to the hundreds of people in the room right now. Yeah, so so true. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, well, you know, um, Sam, I think that might be a fantastic point to uh, put on that. But uh, speaking of uh, bringing it on the heat, so this Friday... There's two shows, Lucha Libre and Laughs, uh, Strange Eons. I believe there's still a few tickets left. So if people want to get them, uh, head over to the uh, orientaltheater.com's website. Get those. Uh, but but as for you, if people wanted to uh, follow up with you like on the uh, social media, uh, maybe purchase one of your books and things of that nature, where could they do that? Yeah, you can, uh, you know, I'm very active on Instagram, uh, at Sam Talent, S-A-M-T-A-L-L-E-N-T on Instagram. And then my website, samtalent.com, has uh, all my merch and books and, uh, you know, my clips are up there. And uh, me and Nathan have a podcast now, Chubby Behemoth. Right. And it's uh, it's for sure the fav- my favorite thing that Lund and I have done podcast-wise. So, yeah, check out Chubby Behemoth and... Uh, yeah, just to really appreciate uh, all the wrestling fans in town being so nice to us and allowing us to kind of play with the form that uh, they love so much, you know. <laughs> so thanks for thanks for realizing that we weren't we were we're, we're, not, we're never shitting on you guys. We love it as much as you guys do, and thanks for being supportive. Yeah, well, and speaking of supportive, uh, thank you for coming on to uh, this episode of the Wrestling with Altitude podcast, and I'll be uh, seeing you uh, this uh, Friday at the show. Yeah, Mr. Fourth Row, come up and say hi, dude. Uh, I'm sure you've introduced yourself before, but, you know, we meet so many mutants and freaks and mulleted <laughs> rat tail men there. So, yeah, come up and say what's up. Yeah. That's another one of my favorite things, dude, is that dude with the mullet who's been there since day one. Yeah. Calling him a juggalo and just burying his ass every show. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is very, it is very cool. It is definitely uh, a highlight for uh, for people. <laughs> yeah, well. for the old heads who've been there since day one, and like he rules, you know, like him yeah. and his wife, like his kids, like I, his his little boy will like crawl up in my arms and I'll hold him. Like it's just fun, man. It's been a fun thing to be a part of. Yeah, very very true. Awesome. Once again, uh, thank you for coming on. See you this uh, this weekend on Friday. Thank you, brother. Once again, a big, huge thank you to Sam Talent for coming on to this episode of the Wrestling with Altitude podcast and introducing himself to all of our listeners. Catch him uh, at uh, the Lucha Libre and Laughs shows, uh, two shows this uh, upcoming Friday. Lucha Libre and Laughs, uh, Strange Eons. Uh, as far as I know, at the time of this recording, there's still a few tickets left to at least the 9.30 show. The 7.30 may have got sold out, but go ahead and check at theorientaltheater.com, the Oriental Theater's uh, website. So, great. All right, uh, so since we just had a uh, show a little while ago, no need to do a week in review, but just remind you of the upcoming events we've got uh, this upcoming weekend, and that, once again, Lucha Libre and Laughs, Friday from the Oriental Theater, two shows, 7.30, 9.30 show, orientaltheater.com for tickets. And then Colorado Springs Wrestling, Slam Bash 5, special guest, Shark Boy going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic event. Lots of uh, things coming up. Fifth anniversary of Colorado Springs Wrestling as well. So, hence Slam Bash 5. Hope to see you guys there. Get tickets for that. Just uh, head over to uh, Colorado Springs Wrestling's Facebook page and you'll get them there. All right. If you like this show, uh, check out our other uh, shows on the uh, Trending Topics Network. You'll catch this show as well as other great shows such as All Beer Inside, Old School at the Movies, The Eurovision Showcase, and Wrestling Cheers. Want to get in contact with this show? WrestlingWithAltitude.com is the website. Podcast at WrestlingWithAltitude.com is the email address. Facebook page of Facebook.com slash WrestlingWithAltitude. And Twitter of WrestleAltitude for the username handle. Alright, thank you all for listening, supporting, and having fun. Wrestling with Altitude. Altitude.